This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Uh, again, Drew filling in for Wes, who's on the links for the next couple of days, doing a cool event. And uh, Eric McLean will be in here tomorrow in the basement. He'll be at the West Durham Suite tonight. That's right. And, Kept it uh, warm for him tonight. You got it. We'll fumigate everything, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it'll be good to go. And Mac will be good to go on that deal. Uh, we celebrated a number of championships over the weekend. Uh, mentioned about the uh, Women's Tennis Championship, and uh, Jamie's going to join us, like I said, coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. But uh, Duke knocks out Virginia 4-1, another mm-hmm. championship for the uh, women's team. Uh, pretty remarkable, right? 18 now for Duke, 9 for Jamie on top of it. Uh, and they just continue to do their thing. First time in 10 years, though, for Duke. Yeah, and trying to win their second national championship, and first since 2009. It's a pretty good way to do it. a little springboard winning the best conference. Yep. You know, they're ranked fifth in the country. This league is loaded with really good teams, so that will be a challenge. But they got hardware coming back to Durham. And again, Jamie will join us coming up here at 9.15 this morning. Uh, on the men's side, Virginia outlasted North Carolina 4-3. Great match. Oh, yeah. Really good. It was back and forth. Could have gone either way. Uh, but the Virginia men's tennis team takes care of business for the 14th time. They were the number one seed uh, going into it, North Carolina, number three seed. We've mentioned how Georgia Tech had knocked out number yeah. two, Wake Forest. Uh, but these are two really talented teams here. Yeah, it's selection show Monday, May 2nd at 6 p.m. Virginia, just like the Duke women, is in the top 10 nationally. It's another ACC title for the Hoos. And Andres Pedroso, a young 43-year-old coach who's already racking up the hardware. Yeah, pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, Virginia had a great sports weekend. We'll get into all that yes. stuff uh, before we get out of here. Speaking of, uh, you had Virginia-Syracuse men's yeah. lacrosse. Yeah. Uh, you lose your bet to Dana Boyle, who, by the way, mm-hmm. we've still not heard back from. But you have paid <laughs> off your bet at least on television. Yeah. But uh, So what did you see? Well, I saw a Virginia team that looks like it's rounding into shape after a couple of of down weekends. They lose that game at Richmond, their first loss ever at Richmond. Kind of surprising. They lose uh, two of their best players to injury in Petey LaSalle and Matt Moore. Those guys look healthy. Petey LaSalle was throwing his body around. They didn't even travel their backup faceoff guy, Gable Braun, who's out with a non-COVID illness. So it was all Petey. He was in a sling a couple weeks ago. You have no idea. That guy has no regard for human life, as Kevin Harlan would say. And they are dangerous. Uh, Speaking of dangerous, golf. Uh, We have the ACC (laughs) Men's Championship this morning. 10 a.m. they start this thing. Wake Forest and Georgia Tech should be awesome. But uh, this guy right here on your screen, that's Jacob Bridgman. He won the individual championship in a playoff against Peter Fountain from North Carolina. It's the first time a Tiger has won the individual award since 2009. Uh, when uh, David May won, also in a playoff from that perspective. So congratulations uh, to uh, Jacob Bridgman, who was just terrific all spring long. No doubt. Jacob bridging the gap between the uh, golden era of Clemson golf when Mr. Packer was hitting the links. That's right. (laughs) And now uh, into the modern era. Well, guys, Carson Young, I wonder if that mustache is still on the Corn Ferry Tour. We've got to get an update from that. <laughs> That's for later. Yeah. Uh, there was also huge news over the weekend as far as men's basketball goes. Mm-hmm. And if you're in North Carolina Tar Heel, man, you got a smile on your Ooh. face. Your entire backcourt decided, hey, you know what? The NBA can wait. R.J. Davis coming back. And then yesterday, Caleb Love says, hey, I scored 16 a game last year. Let's put the band back together. Four of the five starters are back 
for the 22-23 season. Look out, man. It's kind of like in Space Jam when the Monstars stole the talents of the NBA players. This is what UNC did to UCLA this year. Last year, UCLA, surprise run all the way to the Final Four, nearly knocked off Gonzaga in the Final Four. They bring everybody back. They're a favorite to make the national championship, which they might have if they hadn't run into these guys from Chapel Hill. So they beat UCLA, and now they're doing the same thing that the Bruins did last year. I mean, the talent is off the charts. They always had the talent last year, right, Pack? It just took them a while to, to figure it out and mesh. They finally did. We saw the results, and now they're coming back. Yeah, no question. And you think about what Virginia's got coming back. Oh, they yeah. get another transfer yesterday, which will only help them. Tony Bennett should be loaded. North Carolina should be loaded. John Shire's got the number one recruiting class. Kenny Payne's got momentum at Louisville. Yeah. Leonard Hamilton's going to bounce back. Your man Jim Beheim. He'll be on see the what bubble. he does. Oh, yeah, probably bubble. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> who knows what the Syracuse is going to do. But, yeah. you know, Jim Larnaga right. got big news yesterday with Nigel Pack and his $800,000 mm-hmm. deal in car. Uh, yeah. Coming in, it was a big-time talent from the Big 12. So the conference right. really seems to be on a momentum shift in terms of, hey, as opposed to last year where everybody was heading out of town, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talent coming back. Yeah, no doubt. And don't forget about Virginia Tech, what they did in, yeah. in Brooklyn last year, going all the way to an ACC championship. I think the ACC kind of reminded everyone where they stand in the pecking order of college basketball in the NCAA tournament. We were all sitting in our ivory towers last year saying, ah, oh, it's kind of a down year for the ACC. Could it be a one-bid league? Where's Carolina going to be seated? And then, uh, in case you forgot, the ACC is the cream of the crop in men's basketball. And with Carolina bringing back all that talent, you said it, John Shire, they've got the number one recruiting class. Yes, they're losing everyone from this Final Four team, but it happens every year with Duke. They'll be just fine. Uh, it, it's going to be quite a different conversation around the ACC entering this year. Uh, the other giant story, I thought, from the weekend yeah. uh, involved Jack Swarbrick at Notre Dame, who spoke with uh, the folks at Sports Illustrated, Pat Forty. And just talked about the ever-changing landscape of college sports. And he believes that the Division I breakup is inevitable. He thinks it probably happens sometime in the mid-30s, which, again, is 10 years away. But believe me, it'll be here before you know it. He also believes that there's a number of schools trying to leave their respective conferences, but their handicap, or at least in terms of the existing contracts that they're in, uh, which obviously raises some eyebrows. I mean, there's no doubt that the Big Ten and the SEC have done a great job from a meteorite standpoint and are making more money than God. Mm-hmm. The other three Power Five conferences are doing extremely well, but there seems to be a gap between those two and everybody else. Right. And when you see a guy like Jack Swerberg, who I consider one of the smart guys at the table, make a comment like this, you need to pay attention and go, okay, where's he coming from? Uh, but that whole concept about there are other members – a power five leagues looking to get out of their existing deals, but they're kind of handicapped and can't move forward handcuffed. Um, that is one of those that you go, Oh, interesting. Yeah. So where's that coming from? Right. And who is it? And who is it? That's, course, that's what we want to know. He, he backed off when yeah. he pressed on that. He said, I believe I'll just stay right here right, and right. go from there. But yeah. it got, it, it will have people talking one way or the other. And, and Pat Forty. Let us all know that he was doing his journalistic duty. He said, we asked him, yep. who, who do you mean? And that's where Swarbrick was walking toward the cliff, right? Just kind of stepped, stepped right back. But yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Pack. He's such a smart guy. It makes you wonder why. What is the motivation behind doing this? Jack Swarbrick doesn't need this. I mean, he doesn't need to call up Pat Forty on a weekend and spill all these beans. Why is he doing it? How does Notre Dame benefit? I don't know. 
We'll see. I wish I had the answer. That's why Jack Swarbrick is a lot smarter than I am. That's why I'm in the basement and he's in South Bend. Uh, well, there are some advantages being in the basement. I mean, you do have Wegmans still. <laughs> right. You still got another loaf to, to swallow uh, whole before yeah. 10 a.m. The dogs but, um, don't eat it before I do. Uh, that could be true, too. And yeah. Fuller's got some good skills. He might go up there and snatch <laughs> that thing right in front of you. Um, you know, it, it is a great question uh, as far as, all right, why? Right, what's the timing all this? Uh, and, and one of the things he also talked about in the article was he thinks it's inevitable that the college football playoff will go to 12. I think he's right about yeah. that. And, and I do think with the alliance being formed last year after the news that got zapped out with Oklahoma and Texas and that kind of started the ball rolling, uh, they kind of put a screeching halt. The alliance was able to say, hey, wait, time out. Whoa, 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 where are we going? I do think everybody eventually will get together and work this out. There's just way, way, way too much money on the table for the, everybody to sit there and go, no, we're sticking at four. We're good yeah. to go here. Now, it's going to stay at four for a while, but a comment like this could get the ball rolling in terms of speculation, in terms of fast-tracking where we're going. Now, there's still media right deals in place for the ACC, for instance, till 2035-36. So Jack's comments about the mid-30s being the time where all this happens, all that makes a ton of sense to me because mm -hmm. I think he's right. I yeah. think eventually that's exactly what this thing is going to look like. What's disturbing for me, being an old-school no, love of college sports guy is the concept of, well, we may have some institutions that we just kind of put a face to this. It's not really even tied into the education. Yeah. It's just a sports entity. That's not college sports. It's not. I mean, that's basically NBA light, NFL light, yeah. you know, Major League Baseball light, whatever you want. And if it turns out that's where we end up going, uh, what we grew up on loving, it's over. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, it may be done anyhow. We may not have to wait till 2035 to see that. But to me, the educational part of this has always been the ultimate component of college sports. It's, it's got to be that. That's yeah. one of the things I think Dabo talks about all the time about, hey, let's not lose sight of what the educational part in that component is. The job here is to make sure that the 98% that don't go on to play professional sports get a degree. Become better citizens. Understand what teamwork's all about. Giving back to the community. We just talked about Unity Week. And if we lose sight of that, then everything that's been built up that we love about college sports, it's over. It's done. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I go back to what I said in the first hour, which is I think there have been doomsdays in college sports in the past, and we've, we've been fine. So I don't know. I mean, are we trending in that direction toward professionalism? Yes, but I go back to what you said, Peck. There's too much money for it not to work. If that does happen, and, and the example in this article from Pat Forty was the Oregon Ducks could be Oregon Ducks Incorporated, not necessarily affiliated with the University of Oregon. If that happens and, and college sports die, people aren't going to watch it anymore, and then maybe we'll have to go back. It's going to take a while, right? But... I mean, it's it's a free market, and if people choose not to follow college sports because of that, then they'll have to go back to how it used to be, right? Well, we start talking about other issues, like uh, forget about transfer portal and name, image, and likeness, which is front and center. But, you know, the, the conversation about why is college football attendance down, mm -hmm. the cost of a ticket, uh, why are we playing roast beef A&M, how do you take care of that team? I mean, you know, does that – the elimination yeah. of the $1.5 million check so we can beat you 63 to 7, does that go by the wayside? What happens to other schools that aren't in Power 5 leagues 
that aren't as fortunate as ACC, SEC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12 that don't have those great meteorite deals? How many schools sit there and go, hey, we'd love to have a football team, but quite frankly, we just can't afford it. We're losing our shirt. We're just going to eliminate the sport. I mean, these are all things that are taking place literally as we speak. It's much more, it's deeper than just name, image, and likeness in the transfer report. Yeah. It's a problem. That's a great point about the smaller schools because if they don't have those buy games, they won't be able to survive. So all 40 teams that still say, hey, we've made a commitment that we're just going to play each other? I mean, that becomes the National Football League, does it not? Yeah. I, we already do have the divisions of, and we have the divisions and we have the divisions within the division with FBS and FCS. And I think that works pretty well. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if, if it's not tied to college sports, then what are we doing at that point? Because why, why don't we just have a, a G League for football? Um, it seems like that might be where we're headed, but I don't know. At least we might have 10 years until, <laughs> until the 2030s. Well, that's why I say when guys like Jack Swarbrick speak, you should pay attention. Because, yeah. again, he's got a front row seat, part of the working group, college football playoff, the whole deal, and obviously run the show at Notre Dame. Uh, an incredible topic. We'll get more into that as the week goes on. When we come back, though, guest. That includes our next one, which would be Jamie Ashworth. He and his Duke women's tennis team have just won another ACC title. It's his ninth. It's Duke's 18th. And Jamie will join us next to break it down right here on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Monday. Hope everybody had a good weekend. 844-SAY-ACCN. Our next guest absolutely did. Uh, he was able to watch his ladies capture another ACC championship in women's tennis. I'm talking about Jamie Ashworth, who joins us from Durham. First of all, Coach, congratulations on another title. I know that one felt good yesterday. That one did feel good. Thank you for having me. And I had, as you said, I got, I got to watch and um, had a great seat for, for the ride that they, they put us on all weekend. So what was the key? There, there had to be a match yesterday and then really the whole process. But yesterday in your championship match, did you get a sense that there was one key match that kind of swung it your way that, hey, guess what? We're getting ready to close the deal. I, honestly, I think it started with the doubles point where for us to come out and, and win the doubles point like we did um, in the manner with which we did, um, we, we had actually lost to their, their number one doubles team 6-0 earlier in the year. And for us to come back and get that win at, at, at number one, seven, six, in a, in a tight tiebreaker there, and, and um, just gave us some momentum heading into the singles and, and much needed momentum. The, the weekend had been extremely physical for both teams. It's, it's kind of odd to say tennis is a physical sport, but, but um, the grind of being out there for three, four hours, and, and I think that, that just gave us such an emotional lift that kind of adrenaline kicked in after that doubles yesterday, and, and we kind of rode the wave of that. Well, Coach, what about your group made them ready for such a physical final? Um, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I, we faced a little bit of adversity earlier in the year on a, on a trip down to Florida State, Miami, and and I felt like our team after that weekend could have gone could have gone one of two ways, and you know they had one of those those famous players only meetings and sat on the courts in Tallahassee for for a good hour after the match and. And really got everyone to buy into what they were doing. We, we as coaches had really no part of that conversation. And, 
And since that weekend in, in the middle of March, we've been on a, a great roll. And, and um, you know, the conference prepares you so much for, for an event like this. Um, it's, it's, our own, it's our own version of the 20, 27 Yankees. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a murderer's row every weekend, whether you're playing a, you know, UNC and NC State, Virginia, Wake Forest. We have, you know, I was, I was looking last night, I think we have four, four teams in the top six of the national rankings, five teams in the top 15, six in the top 20. I think it's... You know, I, I was listening to you earlier today. It's just a tribute to the the spring sports here in the in the conference and and how strong our women's tennis programs are. And and it really gave us to go through that every weekend, every match. Is it just really builds for this tournament? Coach uh, Duke's now won eighteen. You've won nine, but it was the first one in a decade. Um, did it feel like winning it for the first time again? I mean, I know that's a long time when you've had that much success. And you just talked about how tough it is to win it with all these great teams. But did it feel like winning the first time again after uh, 2012? It definitely did. It felt like, um, you know, we really didn't know, know how to act or what to do. I mean, there was just so much joy with, with the girls and, and really for, for them to see them. Um, you know, I, I started winning, winning that many, but I, I started um, in 94, 95 here at Duke. And, and we won a couple right away, a couple early in, in my career. And, and you definitely get used to that, and and um, you know, but but nothing can be taken for for granted. Nothing can be expected. And um, as you mentioned, the, the conference is so tough, and and the teams have gotten better and better. There was a time where we could kind of, kind of, roll through the conference, and and um, but now now the coaching is better, the facilities are better, the players are better, the commitment to women's tennis is is the best it's ever been, and I think the conference is in such a good place. And. Um, you know, I think that we're as strong as we've ever been. And, and um, again, it's a tribute to, to our team, but a tribute to, to all the teams. And um, it was uh, definitely a joy to sit back and, and watch, watch our team in action and watch them celebrate. Well, Coach, when you think back to those previous eight ACC champions and maybe that national championship team in 09, how is this team similar and maybe different versus, let's say, that team in 09? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the most successful teams we've had here are teams that the girls really play for each other. And, and something that we've talked a lot about in the last couple of weeks is, is trust and belief. Trust in yourself, trust in each other, belief in yourself, and belief in each other. And, and they've really bought into that, and, and they've really really played for each other. They're not about what position I'm playing. They're not about, um, you know, if she wins, why move up, that kind of thing. They really trust each other. They believe that if I put in the work, my teammate's doing the same thing, and they, they want to win for each other. This is as, as close as a team off the court as we've ever had, and it's a, you know, our sport's such a unique situation. It's, it's a team setting, but at the end of the day, it's an individual sport. And, um, but to know you have your teammates, to know that they're going through the, the same battles you are and, and have been out there, it, it just means the world. And when we're in those instances like a Miami match the other night where we have a 8-6 in, in a third set tiebreaker to, to be able to advance to that championship match or, or what we had out there yesterday, I mean, for those girls to, to know their teammates are there and, and love them and support them and, and, and are pulling from them mean, means the world. And, and like I said, the, this team is as close of a team that I've ever had. Jimmy, I've always found it, and I'm not a tennis player, right? I know you find that hard to believe, but I, I'm not a te- more of the golf guy than a tennis guy. But I've always found it interesting in college tennis how international the game has become. And, you know, you talked about all the championships you've won at Duke. Isn't it funny to look back at how that has changed? I mean, really, the world has gotten incredibly small when it comes to tennis, especially on the college side. 
For sure. I mean, I, I think if you look across the board in our conference and across the board on the NCA side, the, the international factor is massive. And it's, it's definitely changed the way that, that we recruit. You know, the recruiting used to be done in a couple select tournaments here in the U.S., but now it's, it's gone global. And, and the draw, the lure of, of being able to come to school before you embark on a professional career, um, the NCA rules that have changed to allow these kids to play some professional events as, as amateurs while they're in school. Um, it's just given them a, a stepping stone. And then on the flip side of that, it's, it acts as an insurance policy as well for, for, you know, if a kid wants to come to school for three years and, and turn pro, they, they you know, they, a lot of the schools now are, allow them to come back and, and get their degrees. And so, um, you know, it's kind of a, a um, no risk situation, get a lot of match play and really mature as a, as an individual. And, and, um, you can see that influx of, of foreign players across the board. And, and, um, you know, I, I think it's great to see, I, I, um, you know, I think the, the better, higher quality we can make our product, the, the better we'll all be in the long run. Well, speaking of that international flavor on your roster, I believe Georgia Drummy is coming on the show later this week. Uh, out of Dublin, Ireland. What is she like, yes. and is there anything that we need to ask her on Pac Rendera? <laughs> yes, she's a she's a character. Um, she she's she is from Dublin, Ireland. She um, she spent some time here in the U.S. training at a tennis academy, of course, down in, down in Florida. Um, but a great girl, great great character, a great conversationalist. So um, you guys will have a will have a blast with her. As far as recruiting, I'm, I, this is what I am curious about because the world's now coming to you. How have you changed recruiting from an international standpoint? Well, I mean, uh, you know, just like other sports, this everything's changing with the with the transfer portal, with uh, with uh, um, NIL stuff, with. Um, you know, we've had to take trip across, trips across seas to, to watch kids play. And, and um, you know, our, our goal is to put the best product on the court we possibly can and, and also have the best fit academically for Duke. And so, you know, it's a tribute in our program. It's a tribute for these kids to be able to come in here um, and handle the work, um, the academic work first, and then, and then um, you know, be, be great tennis players as well. But um, it's a challenge. It's, it's turned into a, like every other sport out there, it's turned into a, you know, 24 seven, 365 day a week thing. And, and um, you know, we, we, we're just trying to draw the best and continue to draw the best. And, and Duke as a whole has been, been great allowing us to do that. And, and Duke as a whole academically drawing the best. And, and these kids are, are great in the classroom just as they are on the, on the tennis court. Coach, have you found that the Duke's international brand is strong? Like when you go across seas, people go, oh, yeah, I know of Duke. I've heard about whether it be basketball, tennis, golf, whatever the sport may be, whatever the academics amount, you tell me, you're living it. Yeah, it, it it definitely does. It's it's. I remember sitting and talking with um, Coach K about this actually, and he he mentioned we were sitting with a recruit in his office one day, and he was talking about the the global recognition of the Duke brand, and and um, it's definitely true, and and it's something that we talk about with these with these young women and their families. And hey, you can be going and playing a tournament somewhere in the in the middle of, of Asia somewhere, and when you're introduced and you're introduced as a former Duke tennis player. That, that means something to people there. It means something um, globally. It means something in the, in the U.S., but, but it definitely has, carries weight wherever you go, and, and um, it's, it's been great to, great to learn that and great to see that. Well, Coach, we want to give you a chance to weigh in on what we were talking about before we brought you on is Jack Swarbrick's comments about how college sports are changing. <laughs> uh, what, when you heard us talking about it, what would you think? Yeah, I, I, I see... 
I see change coming. Um, it's it's being in this business for for over 25 years now. It's it's hard to say that, but but I think change is inevitable. I think that that um, the transfer portal is a huge thing. As I look at you know look at sports like like a basketball where where they're in the limelight and the spotlight a lot more. I. I I don't see how the, some of these smaller mid-majors can survive. I mean, you know, if, if you're a basketball program and you you make a big run with with a couple of players, you know, a, a power five school comes in with some NIL deals. You can get in that transfer portal, and and when it happens in those sports, it starts to trickle down everywhere else. And so we're starting to see see kind of the same things in, in our sports as well. And. And um, you know, I hate to see that. I'm a traditionalist. I like the. I went to Maryland. I, I like the old the old days where where it wasn't all about money. Um, you know, and, and Maryland in the ACC and, and the old the old conference. But but um, it seems like that's the way the world's going. That's the way the conference is going. And and um, you know, I, I hate to see that that it may turn into a, a Power Five only only league. But um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if that happened down the road. All right, final question. Uh, we're going to put you on the spot because this one's for you specifically. We've been asking coaches for the last couple of months what their favorite walk-up song is. And whether it's for a tennis match, going to work, mowing the grass, I don't care what it is, getting out of bed for the first – what's the song to get you jacked up and ready to go? Well, it's, it's funny you say it. It's not a song. It's, it's, I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. And Jimmy Buffett was in Raleigh on Saturday night, and I was aiming, gunning for concert number 46 on Saturday night. But instead, we were in Rome, Georgia with our team. And I sat in our hotel room after a match and, and watched as much of it as I could on, on Instagram and, and um, <laughs> tried, to, tried to feel like I was in, uh, in, in uh, my Hawaiian gear and, and getting ready for a Buffett concert rather than sitting in a hotel in Rome. But, but anything Jimmy Buffett gets me, gets me going there. And, and, and it's funny because the girls on our team and, and my, um, you know, one of my, my assistant coaches know that. They know when I'm in a bad mood. I, I'll get in her car and, and she's got Jimmy Buffett playing. So... Tell you what, parrot heads and ACC championships, man. It doesn't get any better. Doesn't get any better than that. Congratulations, we appreciate the time. Now, take care of yourself. Best of luck in the NCAA's. Okay, thank you. You got it, Jimmy Ashworth, parrot head. Forty-five Buffett concerts. Forty-five. Now we were talking before the hands, like because we never know what the coach is going to say, man. Because we always try to guess. All right, what do you think they're going to? You know, again, Jamie's been on a couple times. And we ne- we're never accurate. We never, no. never have a handle on whether the coach is going to answer that question. Ever. 45 Buffett concerts has to be an ACC record. I would hope so. <laughs> we got to get the folks in Greensboro on that one. <laughs> wow. I hope so. Impressive. Quick break. We come back. We switch gears. Uh, Jeff Connor is going to join us for the Virginia men's lacrosse team. Drew had the game this weekend against Syracuse. And the Hoos win the regular season again. Lars Tiffany's got it going on. But Jeff makes his debut on the show next right here on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. Again, Wes on the links for another day or two. Eric Macklin will be hanging out with us tomorrow. Drew Carter filling in, rocking and rolling, chilling out. Uh, you had Virginia and Syracuse men's lacrosse this weekend. Virginia takes care of business. And uh, making his debut is Jeff Connor, uh, who's having a great year. And again, there he is. Jeff, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, congratulations on the regular season. I know it's not been easy, but, uh, man, you guys made it look that way this weekend. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was a great, definitely a great win, and appreciate you having me on the show today. 
Uh, you guys have been banged up uh, like nobody's business. It has not been easy to stay at the top, has it? Yeah, I mean, it's been definitely been a tough year. A lot of people have gone down with injuries, but we have a great training staff led by Rebecca Vazo. So just the ability for her to get players back as fast as possible and have other players step up when people go down has definitely been a key to our season. Well, Jeff, I mean, you yourself have personified that next man up mentality. I want to read you a text from my buddy Paul Carcaterra, who I called the game with Saturday in Syracuse. He said, feel free to tell Jeff that two of the last three Virginia games I've called, he has been the best player on the field by a wide margin. He is beating short sticks like when I show up to the local park and bully kids in 3v3 lacrosse. And he hits the nail on the head there, Jeff. I mean, you talk about the injuries. I think you have taken advantage of that extra opportunity you've been given offensively. How is it different for you down the stretch of the season? Because you've just blown up here lately. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been fun. I've, the coaches have kind of been telling me to take more chances and whatnot. So it's definitely just like kind of working off Connor and Matt. I play a lot behind the cage. So a lot of the times it's not me just trying to beat my man. It's kind of just working off them, setting picks, and that opens me up more than me of myself up half the time. So it's definitely been fun. Jeff, we've had a great time with your coach, Lars Tiffany. I mean, he's philosophical. He gives you things that you, you really contemplate. Uh, it's more than just the game. Uh, what's it like playing for him as far as what you've learned outside of lacrosse? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's really great. He definitely has a different coaching style than most coaches I've played under. And he, he's, he's definitely very unique. You can, after practice, you can have like, great conversations with him. He'll, he'll say some, some quirky things, but definitely love him to death. So it's, it's interesting, but he's a great coach and wouldn't want any other head coach. Corky is for sure, uh, but he's such a great guy. And we see him right now on the screen running around with, with the stick that his dad gave him a couple of years ago. Uh, when he's running around with that wooden stick pregame, Jeff, is he a legit player still? Like, could, could he suit up to this day with that wooden stick? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be pretty interesting. We do 1v1 match. We do, we do 1v1 matchups during uh, practice. You call out someone and – a couple of kids in our team are joking around that they're going to call him out one day, have him go down on the field and <laughs> try lacing him up. Uh, by the way, I want to go back to him a second. Um, you, you mentioned the word quirky, which is an interesting way to describe him. Uh, give me one, for instance, where he really gave you something that you said, you know what, I've never thought of it that way. And, you know, I've learned from it because, I mean, he's always coming up with interesting, motivating tactics and everything else. But, but give me your favorite large Tiffany motivating force that he's thrown on you? That's, that's, that's a tough question. Um, I wouldn't say I have one specific instance, but we kind of every Thursday, one grade goes over to his house and he gives, gives us time to sit down and talk with him. And just like his takes and like responses on like certain subjects are honestly very interesting. And just sometimes he says things that you just wouldn't even think of on certain topics. So it's just, just interesting. And the eye contact is intense as well. I imagine if, if he's yelling at you in practice, like the eye contact is intense when we're just doing an interview. So I, I can't imagine what it's like if, if he's chewing you out at practice. Uh, but Jeff, for you guys, I mean, we've talked about the injuries, but let's be real. You guys have been at the top of the sport for three years now. You're the back-to-back reigning national champs. We had Belle Smith from BC Women's Lax on earlier and I asked her the same thing, but what's it like for you guys now as national champs getting every team's best shot all season? 
Yeah, it's definitely definitely a little different. You got to go into every game knowing you're going to get the team's best performance. But I mean, the coach. One thing coach says: um, pressure is a privilege. So going out there and just knowing that you have pressure on you every game, and just going back to the basics, focusing on ourselves, taking it one game at a time. I mean, it's kind of all we've been focusing on, focusing on the next game up. So. Right, so the, the end of the regular season comes up, and again, it's kind of an interesting schedule for you guys moving forward. But the big prize is still waiting, right? Hey, we've done this NCAA tournament thing before. Let's let it rip. So now that you put this ACC thing rearview mirror, tell us about the mindset, the focus of this team moving forward. Yeah, obviously we have one more game on Thursday. Good team coming to town, Lafayette. So we'll focus in, take care of that. But when you get to the playoffs, I feel like we have a lot of players on our roster that have a lot of experience. So kind of just falling back on that experience early just being comfortable in those positions and taking it one game at a time, I think is going to be the key for the playoffs. So, uh, Jeff, I know you don't want to look past Thursday, but you guys are going to have over two weeks between your last regular season game and the NCAA tournament starting. Do you know what you're going to be doing for those two weeks? Like, do you have a, a basis after last year, no ACC tournament as well? Yeah, I'm not positive yet. I know that first week will probably, it could be a little lighter. Um, just because there's nothing really look forward to. You don't know your opponent yet. So that first week could be could be a little switched up than what we usually do. But then that following week after the selection show, we'll kind of get back into it, do, do our normal week during the season. By the way, when you're walking to class, uh, do people recognize you? I mean, as, as lacrosse at Virginia to the point where it's um, – Men's basketball, football. I mean, you go back-to-back natties. I mean, people kind of know what's going on. So when you're going to class, students recognize who you are? I wouldn't say students recognize who you are at all. I mean, we all have the same backpack, so, I mean, that can kind of give it away when you're walking to class, but it's definitely not. No one's really recognizing you on campus. No. Well, I mean, how about professors? Maybe if you had the professor a couple times, but (laughs) – Usually the giveaway is just your backpack because we all have the same backpack. So I think they will now that you've been on Packer and Durham. Uh, this, helps. This, this, would, this would certainly be help. I Maybe. would think that every student at the University That's of Virginia right. said, forget studying. Let me just turn on ACC Network and watch these morons. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. They, they've got it on at, at Boylan Heights right now if anyone's <laughs> over there for, for breakfast on this Monday morning. Um, but, Jeff, I mean, for you – Again, I, I go back to there's so many weapons on the offense and you've just kind of flown under the radar. I imagine like going back to high school, you must have been like the best player on the field. What what has it been like now playing with Connor Schellenberger and Matt Moore and Xander Dixon and these guys? How is it different for you now? I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's a great experience. So you never really have to worry about who has the ball. Anyone can make plays on our field. So working with Matt and Shelly from behind the cage is one of the best experiences they kind of draw all the pressure so it becomes a lot easier and then when you know you just have two inside presences and great people up top, great other middies up top you can step in and shoot the ball it's it becomes a lot easier and your decision making processes become a lot easier so jeff if i was uh, driving through charlottesville this morning and i was starving and i was in the mood for let's just say a bagel uh wh- where would you suggest i go in charlottesville I'm a huge Bodo's Bagels fan. Gosh. I go probably at least at least five, six times a week, but a lot of my roommates will disagree with that one. Why would they disagree? They're just not, not the biggest fans. There's probably, I kind of have to force them sometimes to go with me. So, 
Well, they're not the biggest fans because it's not the biggest bagel. I mean, it, it's the size of a nickel. So five, six times a week, Jeff, you're throwing money away, man. I'm sorry. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Carter, you can't go there. Whatever. You've already lost a bet I, to Dana Boyle. You've already apologized to her and said, hey, listen, she won the bet. I, I paid it off. All right. And now you're just backtracking after a couple hours. I mean, Dana's going to call in and rip you on that. Little, little background, Jeff. I went to Syracuse. So, so Dana Boyle, obviously a UVA alum. We had a little friendly wager around the game this weekend. And uh, obviously you guys won. So I had to say that Bodo's bagels are delicious on the air earlier today, which I just I don't believe. And I, I had to put the, the truth out there at some point before the show ended. <laughs> That's funny. Now, now you know the rest of the story. All right, before yeah. we let you go, since you're making your debut, uh, Jeff, since you've been to the University of Virginia, what has been your hardest class? It's an interesting question. Um, so I'm an English major, so I kind of enjoy the classes where it's a lot of reading and writing. So class I probably took a year and a half ago. It's called Introduction to Sky and Solar Systems, an astronomy class. Definitely didn't fit my skill set as much as an English class would, so probably have to go with that one. So you thought this was a, it's all about the Big Dipper, get my A, let's get out of here, and it turns out to be a little bit more complex than that. Is that what happened here? It, it, it was more complicated than I thought it was. You got to remember all the constellations, all the planets, like the gas, everything. It was, it was very in-depth astronomy class. How about one thing you retained from that class? Can you give me one nugget about the solar system? That was about two years ago. But, I mean, <laughs> I don't have anything off the top of my head, but yeah, the, we the went an- out at the nighttime. I could, probably, I could tell you where the North Star is. And there you there go. go. The, the answer is no, and thank God. That, <laughs> that, that's the answer to that question. Uh, first of all, again, congratulations on all your success. Stay healthy. Uh, get those legs ready to roll, man, because you guys are ready for another deep run in the tournament. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on today. You got it. Jeff Connor. Dude's got serious game, man. And Kark, he's been raving about him. I'll say it again. Jeff, if you need an agent, Paul Carcaterra, he's your guy. <sighs> You know, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> I got to tell you. I had to maintain a shred of integrity I, I, when it came to Bodos. I know, but, you know, you lose the bet. You're a man of yeah. your word. Yeah. You look right in the camera to your bud Dana and say, listen, you won. Here's I pay off my bet. And then the truth comes out that you just simply can't go there. As a New York guy, you just can't go there. <laughs> it's not even a, as a New York guy, because I'll be honest, Pac, when I was at Syracuse, I, I got so sick of the tri-state area, people saying, oh, I can't eat these bagels. <laughs> I like a Panera bagel. A Panera bagel is good. I'll go to Wegmans. I'll get myself a bagel. It's just the Bodo's bagel is too small. Now, Boy. in their defense, the jalapeno lime cream cheese is delicious, and the coffee is pretty good. And they run a super efficient operation. You get there, you're 50th in line. You've got your bagel in 10 minutes. Boy, Dana's going to be hot. (laughs) If she calls in, she is going to be smoking hot. I know that much. Uh, Quick break. When we come back, we give you a little all-access sneak peek into the NC State baseball program. And we got some cool nuggets for you before we get out of here today, including somebody who's still running. We'll explain when we return. It's Packer and Durham on AACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast.
What's up, ACC Network? Just had a good practice. Going over to lift with Gino and Devo. Officially game week for Pac Baseball. About to get a good lift in right here. I've been involved in baseball my whole life, I would say. My dad played baseball at Florida State, and then he played a few years professionally. His background in baseball really influenced me. My mom would always try to put me in different sports because I was always trying to go outside and do something. And then probably around seven or eight when I started kind of getting really competitive with it and playing organized sports. And that's what we like to see right here. What's up guys? Headed to the field. Had to pick up Josh Hood from class. Howdy partner. We got one more practice until uh, we open up tomorrow against Evansville. So excited about that. Trying to get some things going. And uh, we'll see what type of practice we have. What made me choose to come here to play um, will probably be the coaches. You can tell that they care a lot about their players and want the best for them. They want you to grow as a person and a baseball player in all aspects of life. They just really care about their players and their program and you couldn't go wrong at this place. This is about where I started dying. <laughs> That's like conditioning right there, boy. Last year's team, we got off to a really, really slow start. A lot of people probably counted us out. We just kept on pushing and pushing and we never stopped believing in ourselves, and we made it to the, the biggest stage on college baseball. To make it to Omaha in the fashion that we did is probably my you know, most proud baseball moment. We had some, some COVID issues going around, going into our last game. We were only able to play with 13 guys we ended up losing that game three to one. After we lost that game, we were supposed to you know, play another game because we both lost one game, so that was gonna be the deciding factor in that third game. But they told us later, kind of late at night, that uh, we weren't gonna be able to play that game and we had to forfeit. Ooh, boy. Man, I love that group of guys, and I know I'm, I can speak for everyone when I say that. And carrying that into this year, Obviously, the group of guys that made it to Omaha last year feel like we got a little chip on our shoulder. Feel like we have, you know, something to prove again. Um, but we also know that we have what it takes to, to do it again with these new guys who are really talented. Are we just going around like two times? Hit and run, no outs, one out, see it through, contact. And we just go around twice, you know what I'm saying? Oh, one triple. See it through, see it through. Contact, contact. Put in the work. Next, all access. The ACC Live premieres tonight, features NC State baseball, North Carolina men's lacrosse, and Miami's women's tennis programs you'll get unprecedented access into the lives of the student-athletes, the coaches, staff, parents, and fans at 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on ACC Network and the ESPN app. All access the ACC Life. 
Seeing old Tommy White there, he only hit four home runs over the weekend. <laughs> what a quiet weekend for Dude, him. Dude, Max Wagner at Clemson, yeah. he went yard four times. I mean, we had some dudes going crazy, but uh, yeah. Elliott Avent, one of the best dudes on the planet, NC State. Uh, tough weekend with Louisville. We lost two of three on that yeah. front, but uh, a lot of good baseball teams in this league, my man. Right. And NC State last year entering the tournament was not like a favorite to make it to Omaha. Five games over 500 in the ACC, kind of the same thing this year. But once you get to the tournament, anything can happen. Yeah, no doubt about that. Speaking of the tournament, uh, there's the ACC Men's Golf Tournament. The championship match comes up here at the top of the hour. And it's all about Georgia Tech and Wake Forest. They both have won 18 ACC Ooh. Men's Golf Championships. Blue Bloods. But the Deeks haven't won one since the late 80s. That great traditional program in Georgia Tech, They this is what they do best, man. They yeah. win the ACC Tournament. Out of eight, sight. Yeah, eight titles since 09 for the Yellow Jackets. Like you said, Wake's last one was 1989. It's hard to believe. Yeah. That'd be good. Something's got to get. Serious golf talent in this league, men's and women's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of talent, yeah. um, number one, it's great having you at the house and all that good stuff again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got to brag about the yeah. sis, man. Sis showed yeah. some some skill yesterday. I don't know where these genetics came from because I myself have not run more than like five miles in years. Uh, but my sister, Samantha Carter, ran the Brooklyn Marathon over the weekend. Three hours, 20 minutes, 16 seconds. God, An average that? pace of seven minutes and 39 seconds over 26.2. Get this, pack. She finished 20th out of almost 3,000 women in the wow, race. That 20th. is impressive. Give it that up for my sister. That is strong. Incredible. And you know what? She had never really been a runner until really this year. It's been a, a calendar year for Samantha and she just finished 20th in a marathon. That's inspirational stuff. Pac, you've lost like 50 pounds yeah. since the year began. Right. You can do whatever you want if you set your mind to it. i got to look right in the camera. Be inspired. Uh, I'm inspired to tell you I'm not running 26 miles. <laughs> You're not eating this coffee cake either. I'm not, I'm not touching it. I would eat yeah. it. I would have swallowed that thing whole five months ago. But, uh, but that isn't, I mean, again, I've always said, I, I'm jealous of people who can really run. Yeah. Because I can't do it. I just can't do it. But that's 20, incredible. 20. Finished 20? Three hours and 20. Like, that's... I'm so impressed by her, and I'm so proud of her, too. That's um, cool. I was supposed to run the half marathon, but then the Syracuse-Virginia assignment happened, and uh, I... Don't you hate when that happens? And I lost my uh, lost my wager, too. So, couldn't run the marathon, lost a bet. Syracuse gets cracked in lacrosse. Not a great weekend for me. But then I come here, and it's all good. That's it. You know, uh, Dana Boyle, uh, hey, take it up with your man over here. I don't know what else to tell you. He apologized, but then he just kind of did a little reverse there at the end <laughs> and with uh, Jeff Connors. I'm not sure what happened here. Yeah. Listen, enjoyed it, as always. Like Love working man. with you. Thank all that you good for the stuff. hospitality. Tons of fun. Can't wait to do it again. Tomorrow, Eric McLean. He is here in the basement, and we're doing heavy, heavy football tomorrow on the show. Folks, enjoy the rest of your day. Great job at all the smart folks in Bristol. Enjoy your Monday. We'll catch you tomorrow. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.